In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. The Lord Jesus, look at me now. Our Lord Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with surface faith. God wants men, he wants women full of the Holy Ghost, purified until they have no will. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. In perfect unison with him. There's very little of the fear of God among today's Christians. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from their evil. Nobody's convicted of anything anymore. You live in an insane society, for there is no fear of God in their eyes. Nobody fears God anymore. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, does Christ live in you? And I want you to know that when you take a look at American Christianity, it is based more upon a godless culture than it is upon the Word of God. And you can't substitute the work of the Spirit of God with some little method of taking a verse out of context, getting them to pray a prayer, and then popishly declaring them to be safe. So that you can walk away with another notch on your belt. Good morning. Welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. Tom Richardson here. A little bit of a somber note today. Um, we're going to still continue with our study of First Peter chapter 1. Um, I'm not sure that this is the most popular format that I've ever come up with, but I don't care. I've gotten to the point now where I want to just do Bible teaching I'll, I'll, I'll bring about current events as they're necessary, and I'll have my friend with me when I can, Mike Lyons, and we discuss different things. But we are going to stay a little bit more focused on the Bible because right now, in this period of time that we live in, there's nothing, I'm going to repeat that, nothing more important than studying, understanding, learning, and drawing closer to God through his word. I'm going to tell you right now, very few are going, to, are going to get the depth that we're going to go into in your church. Um, churches, that's just the name of a building to me anymore. I'm still in search of that church that's going to be biblical. And I say that without, you know, I'm not trying to be holier than thou or look at me. I've got it all figured out. I don't. But over the last year and a half, well, let's see, since 2020, in September of 2020, we lost a great Bible teacher and a young man. I talk about him a lot, Steve Mitchell from the Fellowship Bible Chapel, I believe they go by. We lost Russ Dizdar. He, was, he wasn't for everybody, but this man was, was, had more guts than a lot of seals do. And I'm not knocking seals, just as an analogy. This was a guy who stood up to uh, actual life-threatening situations, and his shield was his faith. And the Lord took him home. Russ is like a big loss to those who uh, he's rescued from human trafficking and child trafficking. Him and a, a few other guys worked together on that. Doug Hagman and a few others. 
um, what's that guy's uh, Craig Sawyer. Now he is, he was a seal in the United States Navy, I believe. And these guys go out and they do stuff on the border, finding these, uh, traffickers. See, that's what we don't understand. Maybe we don't get is what comes across our Southern border. Isn't just, uh, South Americans, uh, Mexicans that are seeking asylum here because of the, uh, uh, the drug cartels and the uh, evil governments that are down south. There are those, and there's probably more of them than than what I'm going to speak on, but the thing of it is is there's a lot of people being trafficked, women, young ladies, women, ch- children being brought over here and forced into into prostitution and drug use. That's right. You don't, you're not going to hear about that in church. All you're going to hear about is, oh, uh, those evil communists that are, t- that are attacking Ukraine. We didn't vote that little midget that they have for a president in Ukraine into office, although I would imagine somewhere along the line our fingers are in there, the United States, that is. We like to set up little puppets in these places where we want to do business and make millions and maybe not millions, billions, and then shuffle money through. We are nearing a nuclear attack as I speak. Now, I pray to God that that does not happen, but they are still pushing to make Ukraine a NATO ally. If that happens, if that fast track action happens, we will be in a nuclear possible confrontation with Russia. In every war that we've ever fought in the last 60, 70 years, who did most of the fighting? Now, in World War II, I think it was a pretty, you know, everybody kind of had their hand in that one. I wouldn't say equally because we do have a large population and we have a large military, or we did. But as we went and progressed through the uh, the, the other recent history, places like Korea, Vietnam, these were uh, affiliate uh, confrontations, wars, where we had allies that came in. We supplied most right up into Iraq several times. Now, we had, you know, the U.K. was there, the Aussies, you know, there a lot of them joined in with us, but a lot of them did not. When we, if, and I say if because I pray that it does not happen, if we get into this thing deeper with boots on the ground, it is not going to be good for us. We're already in a society that's a mess. Now, I'm done with that. I don't, I don't you know, the blowing up of pipelines over there, we don't know who did it. I, I don't want to point a finger and say, oh, Putin did it. No, Biden did it. That, that'll either flesh out or we'll never know like a lot of other things. It doesn't have any bearing on where I'm at right now as far as getting into the Bible. I do believe I I switched gears a little bit because I used to do my show. It ended up being a lot more news and a lot less Bible. And I I really, I'm going to tell you something. You have to be so happy and joyful and rejoice when the Holy Spirit comes over you and says, enough. Get back to what you started your podcast about. You know, you may not get thousands of hits. I don't care. I'm not mad, folks. I'm I, I, I'm passionate about the whole thing. But I I I I, I got to tell. I'm sorry. I'm stuttering. I'm I got to tell you. You know what we just talked about for the la- first few minutes here 
and going into where we're going with uh, with First Peter again, we're going to be picking up. If you want to turn in your Bibles, First Peter chapter ten. I'm sorry, chapter one, verse ten is where I'm going to light off. But uh, as has become a rather, you know, sometimes you need something to break Tom's tirades. We're going to play a song, and this is called. Um, this is a this is an old old uh, classic through it all through it all by Andre Crouch I may have played this before but it's worthy of playing again I've had many tears and sorrow I've had questions for tomorrow There've been times I didn't know right from wrong But in every situation God gave me blessed consolation That my trials come To only make me strong I've been a lot of places and I've seen millions of faces But there were times that I felt so all alone But in my lonely hour Yet those precious lonely hours Jesus let me know that I was his own That's the reason I say that through it all In Jesus, I've learned to trust in God. Let me tell you that through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned, I've learned to depend upon His word. So I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. And I thank him for the storms he's brought me through Oh, if I'd never had a problem I'd never know that God could solve them I'd never know what faith in his word could do That's the reason I say that through it all mm, Through it all Oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus I've learned to trust in God. Let me tell you, through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to depend upon His word. That is a beautiful song, and it just says so much as you listen to it. Oops. Sorry about that. As we listen to it, we, we, uh, we heard some things in there that I just wanted to uh, touch on. Now, Andre, I believe, had some serious problems prior to his conversion and his salvation. <clears throat> he says, if I, um, I want to get this right. If I never had a problem, I'd never know God could solve them. What a mouthful. You know, sometimes we humans have a tendency to look at life and we say, wow, you know, I got all this stuff going on. You know, there's all these problems that I have. 
And uh, why am I having them? You know, why is it all falling on me? You know, and I, I spoke about uh, some friends that we've lost. Now, if I left one out. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Uh, that we lost last December, Bill Randalls, another great Bible preacher in my in my estimation. Now these were fallible men as well, Russ and and uh, and and Steve and 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 uh, and Bill. They had their problems too, but they stepped behind pulpits or they stood on street corners, whatever the case may be, and they proclaimed the love the caring, and the acceptance of Jesus Christ to all men. All men have to come to him. You know, he's calling out. He's knocking on your heart's door if you want to go with that analogy. He's, if you're sitting there listening to me now and you don't know the Lord, he's, he's wanting you to come in before it's too late. Maybe you have problems. You're having those problems maybe so that you can see that God can solve them. And this kind of ties in a little bit with what we're talking about today. I want you to think about the things that happened to the uh, Israelites, the Jews, throughout history in the Old Testament specifically. We have a lot of the same kind of issues and problems happening today with what we call presidents and prime ministers, and we'll just say kings. That's what God called them. Daniel 2 and 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever the one thing that endures forever is god's mercy god's love god's righteous judgment and so forth we can look at that a little while later i i I, uh as i prepared this i I went through and i already and i've i've kind of i don't like to use the word outline but i've i've notated on on paper um what I find in first Peter chapter one, all the way through the whole chapter. Now to just recap real quickly. We'll, we'll just step back a, a couple of verses. And, uh, Peter talks about the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. It might be found unto praise and honor and glory of at the and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love. Now see, there's where we're going to leave it. Sit there, receiving the end of your faith. He says in in verse nine, even the salvation of your souls. We, I have never seen Jesus face to face. If I had, I'd be dead. That's just how I feel about it. Now, I've heard other people say they've been translated to the throne room of heaven and and all that. And I'm not going to doubt them because it's not in my uh it's not in my book to do that. I don't know that that happens in the common era of the church. But I will say this, um I've had dreams or visions in the night that uh I mean, I, my salvation message of myself, I, I, I didn't get saved in a church. Oh, my goodness, you didn't say the prayer. I just decided to follow Jesus, and I dedicated my life to him right then and there because I'll tell you what, even if it was just a dream, you know, I'm not Nebuchadnezzar. What's that guy's name? Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, it must be a bit of bad meat. No, I had a, I had some kind of a of, of a encounter with the with Christ enough that it shook me shook me from my old life ways to the new one that I walk now and it was a long walk that's 30 some years ago 36 I think but uh, besides all that, I'm not here to brag about that I don't care 
34. So, but, you know, along the way, uh, yeah, I was like the pilgrim. I stumbled. I went off into places where I shouldn't have gone. You know, and that's the thing. You know, people look at you and say, oh, once I got saved, I never backslid again. Well, yeah, well, good for you. You're probably backsliding now by saying that. But I'm not here to punch people either. I do enough. I've done enough of that in the past. I'll tell you though, I'm I'm deeply, deeply disturbed by the lack of biblical, straightforward, in your face preaching. These guys that do it, they think they're oh, I'm firing brimstone, but all they're doing is is making feel making people feel bad so they can get them to the altar or the steps of the church where they can you know, whisper the five-second prayer that Paul Washer talks about. You know, you can't turn salvation into some kind of a, of a, of a, of a program. Salvation is a real encounter with the living God. All right, cha- uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter, verse 10. Uh, after we've already talked about the um, salvation and and fiery trial of your faith in in verse number 10 of which salvation he spoke of from verse 9 of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you now as peter was writing this he was writing to the uh, church there and um but see, these things are carried forward, not just to them, because a lot of people get this idea, well, that was just written to those guys back then. No, it was written to you and I. These prophets of old inquired and searched diligently, inquired of God, searched what scriptures perhaps that they had, or searched through the uh anguishing of the Holy Spirit upon them and prophesied of the grace that should come to you. What is that grace that's coming to you? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. They prophesied hundreds of years before his coming, even back as far as Genesis. And I think it's chapter 49. It says, the scepter of Judah will not be taken out of his place. Where did Jesus come from? The tribe of Judah. From that time period on forever, that scepter, that that uh, signification of a king will never be removed. Verse 11, searching what? Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Psalm 22 is a graphic depiction of crucifixion. It shows and it even has the words that Christ used on the cross. Why hast thou forsaken me? Not one bone was broken. When they came to break his legs, they found him already deceased. Read Psalm 22, folks. Read Isaiah 53. You know, that's light reading as far as uh, the crucifixion. You read the entire book of Isaiah, and you'll find over and over again the messianic theme that runs through it. Even in the Psalms, the messianic themes that run through them. These were the prophets that foretold his birth, his life, and his death. I'm trying to go through these little bits a little bit quicker than I have in the past. In verse 12, okay, okay well, first of all, verse 11, he talks of the spirit of Christ, which was in them, the prophets. The spirit 
testified beforehand the suffering of Jesus, the glory that would and should and would follow. That's amazing. The glory that should follow. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. That would mean the resurrection. And then our hope in our resurrection unto him for the rest of eternity or for the rest of uh, earthly existence. Every human could have that, uh, that, that, that resurrection you know, yearning, knowing that you know, if I die and I go into the grave, one day I'm coming out. Now, you know, a lot of convoluted ideas about how that happens. I'm not even going there today because we're just talking as we read through this chapter, an awesome and wonderful chapter, that if we followed some of it, this world would be a whole different place. Okay, verse 12, unto whom it was revealed, again, the prophets, that not unto themselves. So they didn't get this revelation just so that they could narcissistically hold on to it themselves. Say, I've got the revelation and I'm not sharing it. Or I've got the revelation and it's going to profit me. P-R-O-F-I-T. These weren't prophets for profit. Most of them were killed. You know, just like today, if you want to be a minister, if you want to be a, a preacher or a teacher, you're going to have the uh, hierarchy of denominations come after you and say, he's not qualified. They'll say things like, oh, well, he's got the ability to preach, but he doesn't have the qualifications because he didn't go to this college, that college. He doesn't hold a PhD or a THD. I don't. I'll be, if you know me, you know right up front, this is me. Where's, where's your college degree? I don't have one. I've done a lot of studying, though. And that's not to brag. That's just to say. I, I, I don't just sit down here and start spouting things because it gives me something to do for an hour. I just don't. I, I, I really believe that we're, we're delving into Scripture to see what's there. Okay, unto whom it was revealed, the prophets, that they would not, not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Boy, is that a mouthful. I hope we can I hope we can get through this part. <laughs> it was revealed to them, not just for them though. They they got this revelation and they passed it on and on and on all the way down to us here 2000 maybe 3 almost 3000 years later some of them. What an awesome thing. What a what what a great ability that God has that his word was was passed on and on and on and on and truthfully in the in the writing of the scriptures. Now not so much truthfully from the pounders from the pulpit. These guys weren't serving themselves. They were serving us. They didn't get paid for it. Like I said, they got killed for it. They got castigated. They got thrown out of their society. They were, Jeremiah, tossed into a well, left, left in Jerusalem almost to starve to death. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Of water, folks. You know, so, you know, it goes on and on. You, you know, Jesus even said, you know, uh, Jerusalem, you know, you who killed the prophets, the people who came and gave them the revelation of this man that stood in their their midst, Jesus. They should have known. The, the, those that were in charge at that point in time should have known by the things that he was capable of doing that he was their Messiah. But he also knew that he'd be rejected. It's prophecy. He knew that he would suffer terribly in death on a cross it's prophecy see people shy and fear their way through prophecy 
They ministered to us. All right, here's a, here's a, you know, they ministered to us, and by them that have preached, have preached, those who have preached even since Jesus' time and those fellows before, the gospel, them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. We have been given revelations. We have been given through through the prophets and through the Holy Ghost filled preachers, not, not the radical charismatics or charismaniacs, whatever you want to call them, but true Pentecostals who aren't afraid to say, I have the Holy Ghost in me. I know I do. I can feel it. I'm sorry, feel him. Sent down from heaven. He came from heaven, the Holy Ghost. And even the angels desire to look into. So we have angels perhaps looking over our shoulders saying, wow, what a revelation. Verse 13. I mean, I could go on about the Holy Ghost sent preachers. I can tell you right now, the one you're listening to, I believe. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe that you can't preach a good a good message without it. Him. Sorry, I keep, I'm, I don't mean to say it. Without him. Without his leading. I've heard a lot of messages, and I say there is no Holy Ghost in that. There may be Bible. There may be Bible verses. There may be some studying done by the guy. But when they step up to actually do the preaching, you're like, what are you talking about? He's here. He's there. He's up, down, all over the place. Or, you know, uh, one story after another, a couple of jokes. uh, Let's sing a song just as I am. Come on up here, blah, blah, blah. Wherefore, in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That's a battle word. That's, that's, that, that means, you know, let me back up just a hair. Verse 12. Verse 12. Even the angels desire to see, Romans 8 9 says, Not in the flesh, but in the spirit for he dwelleth in you. That, that's the whole thing about the Holy Ghost. He dwells within you. Be obedient to him. He knows better than you do. <clears throat> you know, the, the word that we have is passed down very diligently through the years, through the centuries. And again, like I say, the the angels even look at the awe and the gift of God bestowed upon lowly man. Angels don't have that chance at salvation because when they sin, if they turn against God, they're done. They're spirit beings. They're already in the place that we aspire to go and be with God. So like Lucifer and a third that were with him, when they go against God, they're done. They don't have this wonderful gift that we have of being saved by Christ's blood. Think about that next time you want to just do your own thing. Next time your preacher says, you're going to sinner saved by grace, so go ahead and sin. It's okay. You're already saved. Everything's taken care of from here on out. Blah. 13. <laughs> Get Tom going on verse 13. Because uh, girding up your loins. Prepare for action. That's what that means. Gird up the loins of your mind. When, when, they, when they talked about girding up, you know, getting ready for battle. You know, these guys wore these robes, you know, and you couldn't run in a robe or you know, cassock or whatever they wanted to call that thing. Kafka, I, it's got a name. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen all the movies. When they got ready to fight, when they got ready to go to war, they'd pull that robe up probably above their knees and they'd tie it off. They'd gird it. They'd try, tie it off or pull it into that rope around their waist. 
so that they could move, so they could run, whether it was to the battle or away from. But, you know, here's what Peter's telling us in verse 13. Gird up the loins of your mind. You know, put your mind in a state ready to do battle with your enemy. Now, sometimes I think I gird up my loins of my mind and I'm ready for battle just about any moment. And that, that's not a good way to be either. I'm, I'm just being honest. I ain't perfect. I said, ain't. See, that proves it. But I need to gird up the loins of my mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's verse 13, 1 Peter 1. So we need to gird up our loins, folks. Gird up the loins of your mind. You know, uh, we did a podcast a while uh, not long back where I just called it bringing your mind captive, your thoughts captive unto Jesus, unto the obedience of Jesus. And that goes with this, girding up your loins of your mind, getting it ready for, for battle. Um, Peter said, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul says, you know, we are to be instant in season and out of season. Second Timothy 4, 2. You know, be ready to answer questions, you know, and not, not be contentious about it. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with a, f- a fellow brother or sister in Christ, depending on their, their uh, spiritual age, let's put it that way, that how long they've been in Christ, how long they've been working towards a closer relationship with Christ. I mean, I know guys that have been saved five years, and they're far ahead spiritually than people who were saved 42 or 44 or 45 or 10 or 20. It's how much you want to put into feeding the spirit that lives within you. He is going to pull you towards certain things and push you away from others. That rock music you want to listen to? Yeah, he's going to say, no, listen to it. But listen to it with your ears open for a change. It's that driving beat that pulls you in. But the words are all about hell. You want to drink that beer? Go ahead. Oh, oh, what's it say here? Be sober in your mind. And if you drink that beer, you're not going to be sober in your mind. And hope to the end for the grace. There's a lot of words in that, 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 that very, I may have to break this whole verse down better than I did. You know, it's like it reveals itself to you once you start to look at it. You know, get ready for battle, not being contentious, but just be ready for battle. Satan is always coming at us with something or one of his minions. Be sober, be, be ready, be sober, be, be, be clear-minded. There's a lot of preachers I don't think are clear-minded anymore. They're so caught up in their denomination that they, they can't be clear-minded. It's our way or the highway. You can't be a part of us unless you do that, 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 that. Being Holy Spirit filled, being a Christian, being saved, is that's not enough. You need to get dunked. You got to go to the next level and do this thing. You got to read the Bible through in a year. You got to read this book that I wrote. And it goes along with your salvation. No, my salvation was set when I accepted Christ as my Savior when I accepted him and decided to truly follow him as my Lord and the Holy Ghost came and lived within me. That's enough. That's it. There's no more. Now it's up to you to listen to that that person who has taken up residence in this earthly house we call our body, our heart, if you wish. Verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Oh, 
We may not get any further than this. Who knows? He's saying, what's he saying? He's saying, be obedient. You know, don't, don't chase after your former lust. Now, you know, people, oh, I'm not lust. I'm not lusting after anybody. That don't mean it's not always sexual. It just means those things in the world that pulled you more away from God or a godly lifestyle to do these other things. And, you know, lusts are things that are attached to your uh, your fleshly desires, be they overeating, overdrinking, smoking, you know, and you know what? You're not going to go to hell for these things, but you're not going to live a victorious lifestyle or a life period in Jesus. We need to try to do our best to divorce ourselves from those things that we know we were doing that weren't right, looking where we shouldn't look. There's all kinds of places these days you can look where you shouldn't look. Cry out loud, you can watch TV and you probably shouldn't be looking. We know that. But see, in the past, he says, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust or the former grave desires that you had and that you did in your ignorance. You were ignorant. You had no doubt. You, you know, uh, you, you really didn't know any better when you're lost you're in the dark you haven't seen the light yet so therefore you chased after all these things in the past through your ignorance to the truth of jesus christ that's a that's a that's a lot there right to take in isn't it Be obedient children. He, you know, here's the thing. We have gone from being uh, lost and, you know, orphans, basically, to having a heavenly father who cares for us. We're now his children. The, the God who created everything that we've ever seen, you know, whether it's this lamp on my desk, did God directly create that lamp? No, a man made it. But God created the elements that went into it, every molecule. Ephesians 2.2 2 says, very, very much the same, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Where in time past, he said to the Ephesians, you are walking according to the devil's way, the course of this world. When you become a child of God, you are now seated in heavenly places. It also says later, I think it might be before or later in Ephesians 2. So you've been taken from the course of this world, and you're now living for that world. We've separated ourselves from the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works within the children of disobedience. We do not want to be children of disobedience. Peter says, be as obedient children. Ephesians 5 and 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Wrath of God is going to come upon those who are disobedient to God. There's a lot that goes into, you know, walking with Christ, doing the best that we can. Colossians 3 and 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, this is one of the words that I'm not going to go into, concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. 
in which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. So, you know, these people that Paul went around to and, and visited and, and ministered to, the Colossians, the Ephesians, they, these people were, <laughs> they were out there, buddy. I mean, they, they had idols. They did sex magic. I mean, they did the whole thing. And I don't mean to be crass or, or uh, brash or whatever the word may be, but that's just the truth. If you do this, do the historical study on some of these, the Corinthians and all of them, you know, the Ephesians were some of the worst. Uh, they really got into some stuff. And the Israelis or the Israelites, they got pulled into a lot of it. That's why they were always having trouble, getting in trouble with God. I want to read uh, for sure. We got plenty of time. I'm going to do you an hour, and, and you deserve it. And we may come back and do another one. Um, I want to do. I want to get through the first chapter here before the the new millennium comes. But First um, Peter one and fifteen. This is a verse that does not get a whole lot of traction, at least in the churches that I've sat in or currently sit in. Because it's all about, you know, uh, just get saved. Say the prayer. You know, now go. And uh, I heard, I ain't going to say it. I'm going to just leave it alone. I I, I have a little bit of angst in me today uh, for uh, things that I've, witnessed just recently church wise but and i'm going to leave it alone i'm just going to leave leave it at the, it's in god's hands okay and that's all i can do i pray about it and i i, I really i'm i'm disturbed in the spirit anyway first peter 1 and 15 but as which he hath called you what's it say but as he which hath called you that is god is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That bears some that bears some deciphering. God has not called you to just go on doing the same things that you've been doing forever. I mean Peter's made that very plain throughout this first segment of first Peter. God has called us to repentance and salvation. He now looks for us to uphold his holy name in every manner and matter. Oh my, have we all fallen short there? I guarantee I have. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, well, you got to do like Tom does. I'd rather you didn't. When he says conversation, you know, we, we think of it as, well, I don't, I don't curse and swear when I'm talking to folks. That's not what that word really means in the Greek. It is the manner of life, your conduct, your behavior, and your deportment. <laughs> okay, figure that one out. But, uh, you know, let's just go with the simple stuff. The Greek word is anastrophe. That doesn't really bear a whole lot on us, does it? It basically is just telling us, look, you are now a child of the king. You are now in the kingdom of God. You are now adopted into the family of God. The one and only true living God. There are many gods with a little g. And the Bible even speaks of them. It says that our God is the God, capital G, of God's little g. Those little gods are pretty much all demons of some sort or idols that were set up in place of God. Let's just go with you know, even angels at times are, are considered gods, Elohim. But we're not going to get into that. That's really, that's too deep for today. I have to say, this is one of those most difficult pieces, The verse 15 and 16. Let me read 16 
as well, just to, to, you know, clarify. Peter, Peter puts that in here for an exclamation point. Because I'll read it again. But as he which is called you is holy, God, so be ye, you and me, holy in all manner of conversation or in everything that we do. Try to be holy and above this flow of the world. In verse 16, it says, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. That's God speaking to his children in Israel thousands of years before Peter wrote this in Leviticus 11:44 for I am the Lord your God ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and be and ye shall be holy for I am holy God says neither shall you defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the world, uh, upon the earth you know they got themselves into all kinds of trouble back in the day didn't they then they just follow after all kinds of you know they 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 would follow god and do what he told them to do and hold up his commandments and then next thing you know they're just floating down the river on their way to syria babylon rome I'm not trying to make light of it. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Again, walking with God. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to do or we should do in obedience to Jesus. Jesus was baptized. I keep hearing this. Jesus was baptized, therefore, we should be as well. I have been baptized twice in my life, and I don't desire to do it again. I don't need to. The, there's one, one God, one faith, one baptism, says in Ephesians. I have been baptized in water, and I have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. After that, I don't need it again. It's just like saying, well, you've been saved, but you need to get saved again. No, once you've been saved, you've been saved. Now, whether or not you hold on to your salvation, that's up to you. And how closely you wish to be in God's presence. But he that's called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation all manner of life, all manner of what we do. And, yes, we're going to struggle with this. I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit and read this verse because it's very important. I plan to do, when we get done here, 1 Peter chapter 2, because at least that, because I'm really, I'm really into this book of 1 Peter, and probably we'll, we'll roll into 2 Peter. We may be doing this for months, whatever. It's worth it. Because when we do these things, I'm going to share as much other scripture as I can that fits. There's cross-references that just cannot be denied. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he tells us, but ye, he's talking to you and me, we, let's put that, but we are a chosen generation, chosen, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness. I put the in there, I'm sorry. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. So not only, again, are you uh, uh, called to be holy, it's because you're chosen, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, it says that we are kings and priests. So that makes you royal. That makes you a priest, not a Catholic priest, of course. A holy nation. You can't be holy and live like the devil. You can't be holy and do all the things that you used to do in your former life where he tells us not to.
because it just doesn't flesh out well. It doesn't it doesn't go along with the program that God wants us to be able to follow and follow in victory. Again, with the victory thing, Tom. What's up with this victory thing? Because we want to live victorious lives. We want we don't we don't, I don't care how much money we make. I'm probably getting ready to lose some. But the thing of it is is victorious in Christ. We should be striving for that. I don't care what the what the Cleveland Browns do or the Cowboys or or the Cavaliers or the Indians. Oh, they're not the Indians anymore. They're the Guardians, sorry. I don't care. I'm not going to waste five hours a day trying to watch a baseball game when I can be sitting here at my desk or doing something that gives me uh, spiritual food towards a better, victorious lifestyle in Christ. If my favorite team wins, which I don't really have any, if my favorite team wins, that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't really. I was teasing a lady yesterday. She was talking about the Browns, and they lost like they always do. And I said, how much money did you lose? <laughs> she, I knew she didn't bet on it. She did. She said, oh, I didn't bet on it. I just, you know, I love football. I was like, well, I hate it. They poli- but they politicized everything a few years ago, just messed it all up. Okay, let's go on. So, uh, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Uh, I did a message on this with my friends at a skilled nursing facility. That last line, past the time of your sojourning here in fear, as you listen to my opening, which I haven't shortened any of late, uh, there's several guys in there, Zach Poonin and uh, good old, um, what's his name, Stephen Lawson, not Lawson. Charles Charles Lawson, who just flat out say there's no fear of God in their eyes. There's no fear of God in the church. You, you, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, Proverbs 1.9. God is no respecter of persons. Let's get, in, let's get in on that, and that's probably where I'll have to go into an end today. He's no respect. He has no respect of persons but judges every man according to his work. Okay, let's look at that real quickly. God answers the call of the ones that diligently seek him. Let's look at some example. An example is Daniel. He's he's 21 days praying, but when the angel came to him, he says, your prayer was answered the first day. I was just withheld by the prince of Persia. Psalm 64, 1. Hold on a second. I'm turning the page. I'm turning the page. Um, I put that note in here for a reason, so I have to go to it, and I'm sorry. I was not prepared. Love me anyway. And the inter okay. <laughs> Cue the music. Psalm sixty four one. Hear my voice, O God. In my prayer, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. So David had fear of the enemy, and he called out to God, "You know, preserve my life, Lord. Hold me fast. Keep me here." Because, you know, we live in a, in a, you know, a life now that is so tenuous and so full of, uh, of issues, problems, you know, we just, we need to stay in contact with God. That's what he's really looking forward for us to do. And he makes it easy. Get on your knees and pray or get into your prayer closet, however you do. But I'm going to give you a verse, again, that you're not going to hear this in church because they just tell you, oh, it's all good, do whatever you want to do, and when you call out to God, he'll hear you. Is that so? 
is that true? Is that, you mean, you can do anything I want? And he's still, I mean, I'm saved, right? I can do whatever I want. And just a prayer away. He says, this is David also writing. He's talking about himself. He says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, 18. You can look that up. I, I pray you will. Follow up on me. Make sure I'm not feeding you a line. If you have some willful sin, something you know is not right, something you should not be engaged in, something that is so egregious to God that you know he's trying through the Holy Spirit to get you to cleanse yourself of it, and there's a lot of things that can be, he's not going to hear your prayer. Oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Jesus, Matthew 7, 7 said, ask and you shall seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. But God doesn't judge you. Uh, let, me, let me back up. I was looking at my notes and, and not at the, at the scriptures like I should have been because I'm going to have to end here. And if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, pass your time here in uh, sojourning here in fear. You know, God doesn't look and say, oh, well, I can't listen to you, layman. I, I need to hear from your pastor. You know, when, you, when you're out witnessing to people or if you have gone to visit with someone who's lost or, or maybe they're, they're in, a, in a moment of, uh, of uh, anxiety over their, their life and you talk to them and you say, how's your walk with God? No, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, you know, all that. Um, God's not up there saying, you don't have the right to ask them that. You're just a layman. Only the preachers and the pastors and the priests should be doing that work. You just, you just be the, the uh, visitor. You don't come in and try to bring salvation. In. God doesn't do that. He's no respecter of persons. He judges according to every man's work. He listens to you, layman, because you have as much power in the kingdom as your pastor. You don't need to be a preacher or a pastor. You don't need to approach God with, uh, I'm sorry, you do need to approach God without iniquity in your heart. In other words, you know, clear yourself. And how do you do that? Well, first of all, you know, if you have a problem with somebody, you need to straighten it out. We have problems with all kinds of people, don't we? Do the best you can. Here's the main thing. As you talk to God, as you pray, ask for forgiveness for your sins. You know, whatever comes to mind in prayer, confess it. Some people say, oh, that's so Catholic sounding. Yeah, I'm already saved of sins past, present, and future. You can take that chance. I'm not. So approach God with a clean heart, without iniquity. You need to be in agreement and walking with him. You know, our Christian society as it is, it clouds all this stuff. You know, people only think, they think, they only think the pastor can pray a prayer that God will accept. That's hogwash. Poppycock, as they say in England. You don't know what's in another man's heart. Gird up your loins for action. Gird up the loins of your mind and be ready. Clear your heart of iniquity. Strive to bring strive to bring the holiness and the kindness of Jesus into your life. Your prayers will have the power and the clarity to make mountains move. Faith in God, hope in God, following and walking in agreement with God. Amos 3.3, remember? You want a victorious formula? There it is. 
And maybe we'll revisit that again when we come back the next time, which I pray will be, I might do another one tonight. I'm really on fire with this thing. And I hope that you are too. I hope you enjoy it. And until the next time, Tom Richardson is, uh, and if you might have noticed, I changed my little logo for the Removing Confusion podcast. It's now a lion, like the lion in the tribe of Judah. Have a great day. Sing with the